Today on The Topping Show, Nike endorses child trans surgeries, evidence of the barisma bribery with Biden come to the surface, does Challenger to get a stick shift, tech companies continue to push to try to get their employees to come back to the office, Twitter to pay creators, Garth Books to have Bud Light in his bar, DeSantis campaign uses deep fakes of Trump in an ad, and Walgreens reveals a store with no inventory. All that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Toppy Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added resource service company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see the founder at least twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's the joke. If you're an IT leader and a business owner, you need a little assistance, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have Dodge announcing, or rather somewhat hidden or rumored, but confirmed that their last Challenger Hellcat will be a manual. So that's gonna be 717 horsepower V8 engine with a six speed manual transmission, also known as having three pedals as every car surely intended. Now, there are rumors that they might be coming back. If you go to the website, if you just go to Dodge Builder, which is their website where you can custom the car to your preferences with all the accessories. If you go to the website, you actually cannot select the stick shift, you only have the eight-speed automatic transmission, which putting that with a muscle car is, I can't think of a metaphor appropriate enough to make how boring of a statement it quite is. It's like, it's hard to really say if you've never driven a stick shift. It is a fun experience. I think every American, every person should try at least once in their lifetime, much more exhilarating than having an automatic transmission. Now. The drive reached out to Stellantis, which is Dodge parent company, to confirm if the manual Hellcat was indeed back and available. Because you had some dealerships telling folks, hey, it's not on the website, but if you order through us, we can get it to you. Now, the Stellantis representative, again, that's a big European parent company that owns more brands you can possibly imagine, including Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, and that's just in America. They have many country, many uh, car companies overseas. Now, Scientist representative said, quote, the Dodge Challenger Hellcat will, with a manual transmission, is now available in low production volumes. Customers can use the Dodge horsepower locator to dodgegarage.com to find a dealer with the remaining Challenger Hellcat allocation and then connect with that dealer in order to place a Challenger Hellcat with a manual transmission, unquote. It's perhaps the best business news I've heard in quite some time because actually giving the consumers what they want. A rare thing these days, especially in automotive, where unfortunately most manufacturers have to ask, acquiesce and bend the knee to government mandates and tailpipe emissions, which it's a de facto ban on large displacement, fun and efficient engines, especially when it comes to actually towing and trucks and diesel. But I digress. Good news. If you want to dodge, you can get with a stick shift as intended. Now, other interesting businesses, you have Google pushing to get more employees to come back to the office. Now, they're asking the employees to come back to the office three days a week. And it's not too surprising for a myriad of reasons. People keep forgetting there's a ripple effect for all these businesses on why they want you back in the office. It's not just micromanagement. A lot of the cities that they negotiate with for tax breaks mandate you're going to have a certain amount of people in the office these days. You're going to have an occupancy rate. 
so that if we give you a tax break, you're, you know, at the, let's say, for example, in Texas, there are tax breaks for a business. Let's say they move here, they're going to build a big headquarters. The cities and the municipalities might say, hey, we're going to give you a break. You do not have to pay any property tax for X amount of years because you're going to bring and generate thousands of jobs. And all of those people are going to have to pay sales taxes when they go to all the local stores, all the local restaurants. And there are also a myriad of other taxes they'll pay as well. So it does help boost the economy and many states have prudently taken that business decision in order to attract businesses. And lo and behold, lower tax rates and incentives, businesses like that, which is why they're all leaving California. Now, Google also has those same issues and they also spend countless millions, billions of dollars on their campuses. Prior to COVID, it was the pinnacle of the employee experience in terms of they have a great culture that you're part of you could have an on-site apartment, you have your groceries delivered to you, you had laundry services. This was years before they were adopted mass and you actually have apps on your phone. So nowadays everyone can get groceries delivered to them. But Google was very cutting edge. They made it extremely convenient so you never had to leave their culture compounds, I mean campuses. So it was a very unique employee experience. A lot of them loved that because there are a lot of conveniences there. They also had on-site daycare and a bunch of other, a myriad of benefits. So they invested hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars into this physical campus and physical infrastructure. And for the past couple of years, they've all been working from home. Now, Facebook is also having the same issue where they're trying to get them to come back to the offices as well. They're actually doubling down. And last week they told the audience, they told everyone that, specifically they said, quote, they're going to push to get workers back in the office, warning that some employees currently assigned to an office must return to in-person at least three days a week starting this September, unquote. And that really doesn't sound that bad of an idea yet, because let's be honest, how many people actually get work done on a Monday? Very few and far in between. I would venture to say not very much. And Fridays, eh, most average workers, not too much. So, Basically getting a five-day weekend. I debate how many hours actually people put in Mondays, Fridays. But this also make it so you can have some team cohesion, get to see some people face-to-face, -face, build the culture of the company. So a lot of people say it's a good middle ground. Other interesting business news, you have Twitter starting to pay creators for ads in their replies. Now, this is a huge business move by Twitter since one of the detriments to the platform is that there's no fiscal incentive to actually go on the platform. You have the competitors, like most famously YouTube, where if your channel is monetized, which I believe you have to have at least 1,000 subscribers and I believe 4,000 view hours. So knock on a plot, seed, and wood, we'll get there someday. And I appreciate everyone taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment on this video. But once your channel is monetized, then you do get some money from Google via the ads. It's an avenue in which you have an ad share. You share the revenue from the ads between Google and yourself. Well, YouTube, but Google owns everything. So that's why a lot of people are attracted. A lot of creators are on YouTube because of that specific reason. Now, Twitter, if they can actually incentivize people to go there exclusively and get a little exclusivity for all those creators, that'll be a huge push. Now, relative to the whole economy of the billions that people will actually generate on YouTube, it's not going to make that big of a dent. Now, Elon has set aside, it looks about $5 million. And that's going to be the first payment block. And of course, they're going to divide it based on the contributions and the ads that people do. And Elon did specify, quote, the creator must be verified and only ads served to verified users. 
Hmm. So it'll be interesting, unquote, it'll be interesting to see how much he could really push people to go to the platform since he purchased it last November, or October, rather. He's made some great strides, but it'll be interesting to see what are a couple extra nudges they may be able to get creators who, people who make money creating content to go to that platform. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Nike. Now, Nike is currently endorsing child trans surgery for Pride Month. A very unusual stance, some might say, from an apparel company, although given the industry, perhaps not too unusual at all. Now, they have a day-by-day agenda, and they also have that major contract. Now, they have a June 21, that's going to be their Pride Fitness Day, which, again, doesn't sound too controversial. It's just a little fitness, probably no kids involved. June 22nd, you have their undeniable Pride Sports competition. That involves drag queens. So that's starting to get a little more controversial as, as well as the kids start getting involved. Now, they're also going to have an all month long climb with Pride. So rainbow colored la- route for you to climb. That's going to be June 5th to 14th. They're also going to have a June, uh, July 11th, a human rights campaign, OHSU Trans Health Program for speech. They're also going to have family friendly uh, drag story hour, July 13th. So it becomes more and more and more controversial as children are involved in many of these explicitly sexual situations where you have people very willingly wearing any clothing, prancing about, doing all sorts of sexual themed physical activities. Now, the big controversy is Nike directly endorsing and supporting Mr. Dr. Blair Peters, who is from the Oregon Health and Science University, he'll be speaking, although I should specify his pronouns are he, they, so I am respectful, some might say. Now, on Twitter, this individual has pink hair, Elton John glasses, and he has proudly tweeted that he has admitted to performing irreversible surgeries called gender-affirming top surgery for adolescents. Now, he's specifically tweeted, quote, performed gender-affirming mastectomies, top surgery, for three young adults and adolescents today. All had supportive parents. You could see the family relief the second we wheeled back from the OR. I could see the shift. We made it. We have a chance, unquote. Now, again, this is something that we were all told, no, no, kids are not being, it's not kids. This is just adults consenting. There's no grooming. There's no there's no controversy here. The kids aren't being um, taught to go a certain down path. Or, uh, definitely not surgeries. Well, not only are they happening, they are bragging about irreversible surgeries on children. Again, not, a child cannot consent. And these parents are being emotionally blackmailed in the worst possible way. Every time I hear these arguments, it's always saying to the parents, if you don't, do, if you don't let us do this surgery, your child will kill themselves. Which, you know it's a bad argument when the backstone, the cornerstone of their argument is emotional blackmail used to specifically manipulate, manipulate the end user and the parents. And you know it's not true because for thousands of years, kids were not getting that surgery and suicide rates have not varied in any way to suggest that affirming care affirms anything or actually decreases that risk. 
Now, I think a good summary of this particular person can be shown in this video. And this is something where this was a video on YouTube called Meet OHSU's Dr. Blair Peters. So this is on there. They, they publicly put this out there. And this has 4.7 thousand views and 15 likes, which from a statistical anomaly, yeah, that's a, to say it's, a, it's not statistically possible for that to happen in terms of there's 4,000, about 5,000 people watch the video. I guarantee you thousands of people are down liking this video. But to only have, it, it kind of just shows you how behind closed doors, I don't think there's much support around these surgeries. I think a lot of people are scared that they'll be ostracized, completely ostracized from society. They'll lose their jobs, they'll lose their family. In some countries, including Canada, your child will be taken away if you do not affir affirm their ideals and perform these surgeries. That happened. And most famously, the example is documented is in Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? Where they talk about a father whose daughter was stolen from him by his wife and the surgeries were performed regardless of his consent. And again, if you don't use your child's preferred pronouns in Canada, they, it's called child abuse. I'm not joking. That's, it should be terrifying to most parents to hear that. Now, without further ado, I will play this video. And of course, the comments are deactivated. Yet another sign of your ideas. It's probably a nice way of just saying your ideas suck. Because silence, if the only way, may, like a lot of these topics, you see leftists. And again, I like to differentiate. You have people on the left, you have people on the right. Then you have leftists who are far left and you have the far right as well. Astonishing how much they share in common, but if the only way you could win your argument is by complete censorship of the opposition, your idea is indefensible, which again is why the comments are deactivated. Now, I might not like some of the comments in my videos. I've had some critiques, some illogical, but in terms of they'll just say, I'm not good, but they won't specify. I'm like, well, give me something. If you can quantify that, maybe I can work on it. But if you just say, I'm not good, well, that, that doesn't really help too much. So I might not agree with all the comments, but I always have the, pro the YouTube settings in which all comments are accepted on my videos. Because again, I might ag not agree with everything you say, but, I'll, but I will fight to the death for your right to say it. Everyone deserves free speech. Now, without further ado, let's listen to um, Dr. I, I don't think he's a real doctor. Mr. Well, I don't know if that's his pronoun. Blair Peters. And the audacity, he's wearing a technical turtleneck with a suit on top. Completely defeated, so it's a black turtleneck with a, with a tan suit. Completely defeating the purpose of the technical turtleneck. Because, obviously, very visible to see a tan suit. I myself went through my own sort of gender identity and exploration of my own queerness and as like a teenager and young adult. Again, that's a pejorative term if you use it in one way, but this is okay. The music is quite entertaining. More, more of the queer, trans, and gender diverse population that I really felt comfortable and started encountering people that looked like and felt like I felt and learned the language that they used and then really found the labels that I apply to myself, which are queer, gender diverse, and that's where I live. I'm Blair Peters. I use he, they pronouns. I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon at OHS. Not a doctor. I made a mistake. It's a... Wait a 
plastic and reconstructive plastic and reconstructive surgeon, which I thought exclusively was in Beverly Hills, but too, and I specialize in gender affirming and peripheral nerve surgery. I describe gender affirming surgery as using surgery to help someone physically actualize their internal sense of self. So I view surgery as changing something that makes someone feel dysphoric to make them feel euphoric and better and more comfortable in their own body. I stop that because we don't have any long-term studies on this. Also, they're children, they can't consent. But he's... days. Peter is claiming that it'll help them long-term, but we don't have any long-term studies to show that. We're just guessing. They're literally children. The medical industry is treating children as guinea pigs right now, which, again, in the past would be unfathomable. And everyone, left, right, center, everyone would agree that's not appropriate for children. Although, perhaps they admire Joseph Mendele, who was a World War II doctor on the bad guy's side, and their experiments were shared similarities. You know, when someone sees their vulva for the first time and you can see that you've just lifted this huge burden off of them completely. Or, you know, I have an adolescent patient that hasn't been going to school for months and is completely socially isolated and is having just like an extremely difficult time and they come back to clinic two months after top surgery and they're like... I need to expand on the point when he, doctor... Peters, when they say top surgery, that is quite literally removing the breast tissue from a child female girl. Quite literally removing perfectly healthy body parts. So the term is much, much worse than it possibly sounds. Exuberant teenager in school, you know, planning the rest of their life, thriving all of a sudden there are so few things that you can do in medicine and in surgery where a few hours in the operating room can completely transform somebody and that's a pretty amazing way to spend your life um, especially as a queer person and a gender diverse person that um, gets it in some ways not all but in some that's another big that's a big point of contention and debate as well there are actually a whole groups. Uh, there's actually a Twitter handle and a group of people called groomers against, or uh, gays against groomers. Now, the philosophy that they are arguing is that you have a, for example, a young boy who's growing up and he's going, they're attracted towards men. And so they would, they would have been an adult um, gay man, but with the surgery, they are no longer going to be a part of that group of that community. Now they're going to be in a different one. So to say that the whole, all these communities agree it's not that simplistic and it's not that cut and dry. There are a lot of debates and different ideals going back and forth. Unfortunately, many of them are being silenced, which I think is a big point, big concern everyone should be aware of. Um, and to be able to sort of bond with my patients in that way and share that space is really amazing. I couldn't imagine feeling more fulfilled. Again, the hospital and Dr. Peters publicly publicly posted this on the internet on YouTube and they are proud which is why they put it out there for everyone to see and they have 15 likes 
not to brag, but even thanks to my audience, I have some videos that are more than 15 likes. And again, I'm not a hospital with, I don't have 17,000 subscribers this hospital has. So Nike is endorsing that doctor to speak at the conventions. Now, further, Nike has also donated about $600,000 to Glesen, G-L-S-E-N, acronyms, gotta sound smart. I forget which one this one stands for specifically, but that is an organization which puts pornographic materials in elementary schools. Now, I don't be, I don't mean to sound hyperbolic or bombastic. They're quite literally pornographic materials, one being called Gender Queer, and that book, which is the actual title of the book, if you open it, it has descriptive pictures showing sexual positions and sexual acts. If you were to take that book and go to a bus station as an adult, or if you go to, to go to a public park as an adult and show that to a child, you would be rightfully arrested for child abuse. Because again, it's a child and not appropriate, but this nonprofit is putting it in, intentionally putting it in schools Many of these teachers are proudly propping it up and shoving it in front of their children's face. And again, the word age-appropriate seems to have eluded modern society in many ways. There are times and places for certain conversations at certain milestones of a child's life. And it seems like society is all bent on removing a child's innocence as soon as possible. And as cliche as it sounds, just let kids be kids. These aren't appropriate themes for them. And a lot of people who are in the middle, they're starting to become conservative just because they're, they, they feel so alienated by these themes and these ideals and these actions that are being steamrolled and shoved down society. It's interesting to see it might have a long-term opposite effect politically if people start to shift more libertarian, more, more people on the right, as this has become a very political issue. Again, not all political candidates are, you know, all one thing, but generally speaking, people on the left are in favor of this and people on the right, as in Republicans versus Democrats, people on the right are against it. It's some, it's become a very bifurcating political issue dividing the United States. Again, I would have thought this would unite more people than it would divide just because again, once you're 18, many, very few, the debate is really not once you're an adult, that's there's very few people, I know one or two, I know Matt Walsh is of the point or of the opinion that trans surgery is inappropriate for anyone, but the average, the average person, I believe, once you become 18, you're a legal adult, you should have the autonomy and they believe that you should be able to do those types of surgeries. The big concern right here is the children who cannot consent. It's the same logical reason they cannot buy cigarettes, they cannot get a tattoo, they cannot drink. This is... But somehow they, they want this one exception, which again is no long-term studies. We don't know what's going to happen to them, but we do know it's irreversible with these surgeries. And it's astonishing that Nike, a giant, giant brand, although it's not too surprising because I know it's fashion, but they've thrown their hat into the ring. Now, will there be a huge boycott against Nike? I'm a little pessimistic because Nike also, they actually did hire the trans activist um, Dylan Mulvaney, which the big backlash against Bud Light was because they hired Dylan, whose again, average audience is about 15 years old. And the Bud Light boycott is about $26, $26 billion of their stock gone. Now that really ignited the debate as well as the idea of conservatives actually ex 
executing a successful boycott. Now, Nike hired Dylan to post, and again, he's, um, I don't, he has not had the surgery, but he is a, um, a biological man identifying as a woman, and Dylan was wearing bras. Nike did that, and there wasn't too much pushback. It really didn't get a lot of media attention. Everyone seemed to bring it. A couple of people brought it up, but the average person wasn't really going all out to avoid it. Perhaps because it's a more of a product that lasts a long time. Beer you buy if you're an alcoholic, or yeah, I'm sure you buy it every day, unfortunately, but a lot of people may buy, buy beer once a week when they go grocery shopping, but clothing you buy every couple years, swimsuits every 10, 20 years. I mean, I think I make my clients, my swimsuits probably last around 12, 10, 12 years pop. But because the frequency of purchase is so far spread out, it'll be interesting to see, but I'm, I'm not sure if it'll have a short, you're not gonna see the short term effect on their stock price or their sales, but time shall tell to see. And it's, it's interesting that Nike has made this decision to, to go down that rabbit hole. Time shall tell to see it's a prudent business decision. I suspect it might be a blunder. Time shall tell. Now, other fascinating cultural news. You have Garth Brooks proudly, or rather, he is going to serve Bud Light. Now, he's opening his own spot in Nashville, Tennessee, which more conservative state, and he's going to open up a bar called Friends in Low Places and Honky Tonk, unquote, which is the cliche Garth Brooks song, Friends in Low Places. Now, Garth Brooks is the pinnacle, fiscally speaking, of country success. He sells out stadiums in minutes. It's unprecedented. He's more successful than Taylor Swift, I would think. I don't think he complains about high school boys, but like she does, but he has a huge audience. He sells out instantly. And he's going to open this bar, and they asked him, you know, hey, this big controversy, a lot of bars are banning Bud Light. They, they can't push, they can't move the product. They're not making sales. It's just staying there. And they asked him, are you going to have Bud Light at your bar? And he said, quote, I want to, I want to be, I, sh I don't know how to do his voice, but impressions usually involve just removing all emotional intelligence and facial expressions looking like a serial killer. But he says, I want it to be a place where you feel safe in. I want it to be in a place where you feel like there are manners and people like another. And yes, we're going to serve every brand of beer. We just are. It's, it's not our decision to make. Our thing is, if you are in this house, love another. And if you're an a-hole, there are plenty of other places on the lower Broadway, unquote. Now, the most hilarious part is when he says, it's not our decision to make. If you're the proprietor of the bar, it is exactly your decision to make. You are the only person that can make that decision. It's not like, yeah, that's completely abdicating all responsibility. It's not our call to make. Well, if it's your bar, your name is on there. Even if it's a licensing agreement where you're just getting paid money and someone else is owning and operating the bar, you can lean in on them and say, hey, you're using my likeliness, or my likeness rather, and part of that, there's a morality clause for a lot of these things where I want you to portray my name in a certain, and my brand in a certain light. Because of this controversy, I would like to remove that product immediately. There's always a choice to be made to pretend like, yeah, it's just not our choice. We're going to serve everything. Now, I don't think it'll, well, time shall tell us he actually has a fiscal impact on his business. But 
he has such an overwhelming wide audience and so many fans, even if he lost 20% of his fans today, he would still be successful because again, there are millions of people. And I'm sure he has some good music. I heard Low Places once years ago, I'm sure, at a bar. But this is also in complete contrast to other country music stars who famously Kid Rock, I don't know if he's kid, he's country or rock, whatever. He's he's a musician, and he famously had a video in which he again, nice thing about having lots of money, being successful, you can buy machine guns if your state allows it. it has to be registered with the state, manufactured before 18, or, um, 1986. Now Kid Rock had a MP or um, MP5, which is iconic in and of itself, but he actually took the machine gun and shot up cases of Bud Light. And during the, when the boycott just started and completely helped ignite that boycott, it got a lot of attention. It went viral, as the youth might say. And they also have other country music stars. They're changing their songs. So Bud Light is not in the song anymore. One song in which had something where a guy talks about going in the fridge to get a cold Bud. He actually changed it to, uh, I believe he changed the word to Coors Light. So not only are they removing that brand from their songs, they're helping other brands make money by elevating those brands. That's the type of marketing you can't buy. That's the type of cultural cash or the type of cultural reserve, type of cultural authenticity that brands yearn for is to have people where you don't pay them but they still believe in your product and they advocate for them. That's exceedingly rare these days. That's a cultural phenomenon that every brand wants. And Bud Light shot themselves in the, in the foot with this whole marketing campaign and the artists are literally changing the songs to remove their name from them. That's a huge business burden. But Garth Books, again, Garth is so big. I doubt it will affect his business, but it's fascinating that in terms of the culture music genre, he has decided to go against the grain and stock all beers. Will he sell that many Bud Lights? I would guess it'd probably be not the top five. I mean, you had Modelo beat Bud Light. They are now the number one beer in America by fiscal, you know, in terms of sales. That was huge. And again, Modelo, yes, globally is owned by Anheuser-Busch and Bev. But the United States, in order for that merger between Anheuser-Busch and Bev to come together, the SEC forced them, or rather, they kindly said, if you want to merge, you have to sell off the U.S. entity of Modelo. So the U.S. Modelo brand is actually owned by Constellation Brands, and that's where the profits go. Now, it'll be interesting to see, will that sell at all? Now, other interesting cultural news, you have even Joe Rogan calling out Target. Now, Target, again, losing about $15 billion in stock value since they decided to cross the line from the long, long-term society being supportive and okay um, with the gay apparel, and I should say the pride apparel, which eh, it's not pejorative, it's, it is gay apparel, but they've carried those product lines for years. And this year they decided we're gonna have trans clothing for children and satanic materials. Satanic, I mean, literally, not metaphorically, they had keychains, pendants with Satan on it, designed by self-proclaimed Satanist in the UK. And they actually had you know buttons that said, you know Satan respects pronouns and other things that are pejorative against cis people or um, heterosexual people. And again, child clothing and the tuck clothing where again, I had to, I didn't know this stuff existed, but it's um, 
a female swimsuit for a male, but there's extra space so you could tuck. But they decided to carry that and target to the kids. That was big controversial. That's a big cultural spike in terms of people starting to pay attention to that. And even Joe Rogan, the most influential, influential podcaster on the planet, most successful podcaster in history, even he is starting to dunk on Target. Now, he recently said during the, one of his interviews, he said, in regard to the Target, he said, quote, stop shoving this down our throats, unquote. Which, again, it's also true that mostly Targets had the, um, during Pride Month, the LGBT, uh, I, I said P, LGBT, um, they, they had those clothing at the very front of the store, which, yeah, you would never, it is also an interesting cultural phenomenon. You've never seen a store where the Bibles are at the very front. I mean, have you? Walmart, in their defense, they are much more politically... They're playing the game of chess. Everyone else is playing checkers or hopscotch. They actually do have child... They have um, biblical materials as well as LGBT materials. That's why I think you've seen a lot less controversy about Walmart. They're giving the consumer more um, more choices and both choices. But when you have the most influential podcaster on the planet, even they are starting to dunk on Target, how much is this going to drop their stock? I mean, he is the most popular person for the UFC, for podcasting, judo. He does, he's uh, very diverse in his skill sets. How many people who listen to him on a daily basis and who respect his opinion, how many of them are going to start paying attention? Because even if it wasn't on their radar before, having him called out, that's, the one, that's some of the worst press Target could ever possibly imagine. I mean, he is the pinnacle of podcasting and comedy. If he starts to write jokes about them, which, again, he's a comedian, he probably should. There's a lot of material to work there, especially with the swimsuits. There's actually material. Get it? But um, even he's starting to duck on target. That's not going to be good for their sales figures. It just can't. Interesting. Time shall tell to see how it pans out. Now, going on to the politics part of the podcast, you have... Evidence of Burisma bribery with Joe Biden coming to light. Now, this was back when he was a vice, uh, vice president. Now, vice president at the time, Biden allegedly got paid $5 million by Burisma executives as part of a bribery scheme, according to a FBI document, which is coming to light. Now, Biden told the Ukraine, allegedly, told the Ukraine, actually, no, he bragged about it, but um, told the Ukraine president that if they don't fire the prosecutor who is investigating Burisma, where his son, the crackhead, was on the board of directors, he would not guarantee loans to the Ukraine, which is the quite definition of quid pro, quid pro quo. And again, that's illegal. Now, Burisma was previously appointed Hunter Biden on the board of directors from 2014 to 2019 because nothing inspires confidence in a company like a crackhead. And people, some people might, in the comments might say I'm harsh on him. It's just something where Joe Biden said the most, the smartest person he knows is Hunter. Now, I'm sure, based on the anecdotal evidence, he's had an extremely challenging life. It sounds like there's a lot of demons that he's trying to tackle. He uses, partakes in many ladies of the night, some might say. And his laptop, that came to light, and that was a whole bunch of evidence of those illegal activities. And a lot of people alleged he might have been abused as a child. I, I'm sure he's had his challenges, but again, if you're a board, the purpose of a board of directors is to give the CEO advice, is to help the, ensure that the company 
is being pointed in the right direction. Now, that's why you see a lot of long-term entrepreneurs and, and successful CEOs, they're on boards of other companies as they help guide them in the right direction. And they usually have some industry expertise. Now, what expertise does Hunter Biden have for an oil company in Ukraine? Long, awkward silence, because yeah, there's none. I mean, he, he, the only kind of oil I assume he knows is the olive oil he puts on his salad with crack. Part of a balanced breakfast of him, maybe. Now, going into the details of it, Hunter Biden was receiving monthly payments allegedly of $83,333 beginning in April 2014 for an 18-month period with the company. Wow. Now, in terms of a fiscal investment, if you had if you had a country paying you about, let's round up, $100,000 a month for about two years, and then all of a sudden the United States gives you $100 billion, or actually, no, I think we're about to, we've given the Ukraine about $130 billion now. That's the best fiscal investment in history. Let me know in the comments if you can think of a single better one. Now, the Daily Mail reported that Hunter Biden's consulting received a about $3.4 million over the 18 months, starting in 2014. Now, their figures actually come, come into about the same amount. And again, Biden, Biden bragged about this. It was in actually in an interview where they're talking about the prosecutor, and he said, oh, yeah, I, I said I'd fire him if, it, if you know, they don't stop investigating. And then we, they, they won't get the loans, the guaranteed loans. That's... And I try to be apolitical on this show. I, I look at both sides of the equation. That's why I cover Hunt, I cover um, Biden, I cover Trump, I cover DeSantis, and other presidential nominees. This clearly seems illegal. This document might, I guess, force the government to prosecute him. But it's also interesting timing. This is about the same time that Trump is being investigated by the government. I wonder if it's if kind of like a double negative. Maybe they just cancel each other out and they both go free. But, Time shall tell to see actually how it pans out. Now, other interesting political news, you have the DeSantis war room using deep fake images of Trump. And we knew this was going to happen, not specifically DeSantis, but we knew these images are going to get better and better. And the security concern is going to be more and more, it's going to be more and more accurate that you should have security concerns around this. Now, there's a picture where the DeSantis War Room released a video. And we'll play a couple of seconds of the video. And again, it's a political campaign video. It's supposed to be catchy. It's supposed to be, it's supposed to be really about... Well, well, turn down that volume a little bit for you. Sorry about that. So it's about a 40-second clip. And it starts off with Trump. Uh, looks like he's on the set of The Apprentice. Now, that's actually not good in terms of the music is great. Now, like just in terms of if I didn't even see a picture, that music, it sounds like almost like a truck commercial. And again, DeSantis is supposed to making them look bad, but they, they do. We'll get there. But let me let me uh, keep it going. Here, I'm going to fire him. I'm not firing him. I think he's a wonderful guy. See, you fired Fauci. So a lot of people ask me that question, and I did it right. Uh, I see. They went over and under. Because if you do fire him, you're going to have a fire cell on the left again. What? That's a good political point. 
but as you see, I don't think they went about in the right way. How did you feel unable to fire statues? you're not allowed to. Every time he goes on Now, this is the issue, or the crux of the situation. If you watch the podcast highlights or the show highlights, I'll actually, there'll be a picture on the screen, on the thumbnail rather. But they had in this video a slide compilation, so six pictures of Trump. And you have Trump, three of the six, who's just basically sitting right next to Fauci, which makes sense they're in the same room lots of times but you have three of the pictures one he's kissing fauci and two they're hugging each other and the caption on these group of pictures is real life trump and there's no disclaimer saying that oh yeah this is ai generated we've made this up that was nowhere in the video So DeSantis's team thought that was a prudent political chess move, which in the beginning, they moved the pawn a couple places forward. They thought they were going to get the bishop out or do some other tactical move, but they lied. They clearly made up the images and Thankfully, the images are still to the point where we could kind of tell they're fake. And multiple third parties had checked this video, and they all confirmed that those three specific pictures were fake. And the DeSantis supporters are actually doubling down, saying, oh, no, this is okay. Which, again, I think he, was a, he had a, a couple great things that he's done as governor, like the fact that he kept the state open, their economy is phenomenal, partially because of their fiscal and political incentives that they have. But... The logic that they're going with is terrible. The DeSantis supporters, again, not all of them, but they're saying, oh, no, this is okay because Trump once posted a picture of Ron DeSantis riding a rhinoceros. Which, again, is that... It was a single image Trump tweeted out or truthed out, and it's clearly meant to be a joke. No one thinks Ron DeSantis is going out there riding rhinos. Although he might get more votes if he did because that would be pretty masculine and energetic and... Again, a couple of his past videos have been a little bit more passive. But yep, the one that Trump did with the rhinoceros is poorly photoshopped. It was a joke. These were AI generated specifically made to make him look like he was cozying up with Fauci. And the video, the caption said, real Trump. And all this does is give Trump ammo. So when he's at the debate and they're going back and forth and Ron is going to go, oh, no, why didn't you do this? Why did this? Well, Trump was just go. Well, why did you, why did you lie? You made up this. You made up this picture. So clearly lies. You can't even beat me in an honest race. You're supposed to be honest, Ron DeSantis. Perhaps the worst Trump you've, impression you've heard all week. Time shall tell. But it almost seems like they're giving Trump ammo, because again, DeSantis's whole shtick was he took the high road. He was he had less baggage than Trump. Trump in terms of controversy, and he's more buttoned up. He's more of a traditional politician. But they chose to go with this approach and completely blow... That's got to be the political blunder of the week. Because, again, Ron DeSantis, if he wants to win, highlight your strengths. It, it, it does, it's going to do a lot more than highlighting Trump's weaknesses. It just... Terrible political move. I mean, if, Ron, if I was Ron DeSantis, we focus on his military career. Highlight the hell out of that. Highlight your proven track record of how you... He, he should be focusing on how he won Florida. When he first won the governorship, 
He won by less than 1%. He won by a, a razor thin margin of victory. The second time he ran, he won by almost 20%. Unprecedented political success like that. I haven't seen a single instance of a politician winning by a bigger margin. That's a huge improvement. What he should be doing is going on TV every day and saying, hey, I have a proven track record. I built upon a win and I knocked it out of the park. That's what he should be saying. That's what we need to do with our initiatives, our philosophical ideals. And he's not focusing on that enough. He's doing stuff like this, which clearly I think damages his odds of becoming the nominee and even becoming and become the president. So in terms of politics, that's got to be the let me know in the comments if you want me to do like a political blunder of the day. And the more and more we grow the channel, we'll also have a comment section. But that just has to be a, a political blunder of the day. Maybe we'll start that category today. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Walgreens unveiling a new store to combat the culture. I mean, Chicago. It has no products. So this is in response to the unprecedented amount of rampant shoplifting in the city of Chicago. Now, when you go to the store, there's only two aisles. And they have a couple of products on there. Everything else is behind locked doors. So it's an interesting phenomenon, some may say dystopia, where you go to these kiosks, you enter what you want, and then behind secure doors, the employees walk it out, and then they deliver it. Possible dramatic effect. But again, I don't know how much this is going to do because, again, a bad guy just... They could suit up. Well, let's be honest. They don't suit up. They um, could sweater up. I don't know what you call them. The ski, ski mask up. But well, even if they don't do that, they just go to the kiosk, order it, and then they come out and you ambush them. And again, this just gives more of a competitive edge to Amazon because they'll just deliver everything. But really the business blunder is doing business in the city of Chicago. It's not profitable. It's not safe for your employees get out. Again, if they really want to turn the city around, they've had a hundred years to do it in terms of who's controlled the city, Democrats. But if you want to fix the city, you need to double or triple the police force. Make sure that we take make sure is try to get rid of the corruption, increase the actual enforcement of the law to attract businesses, to show businesses it's safe for you and your customers, which if you start the businesses, then people can actually get jobs and you'll attract people to move there. But these companies are all bleeding money left and right. One of the articles when they noted that Walmart was actually leaving their stores, they were there for over a decade and didn't make a profit. A decade. I believe one of them was actually 17 years. They never made a profit once they put the store there. Which, from a business, you, can, you cannot bleed for that long. Bleeding being a fiscal term where you're actually losing money year over year. And those stores, not only are they losing money, but their employees are threatened daily. So I don't see an upside. And again, this idea, while some call it innovative, it is different and they are incorporating technology. They're putting a bandaid on the problem. They're not fixing it. And again, they're a business. That's not necessarily their job. They could maybe, in terms of how they could fix it, perhaps they could actually donate to a political figure who isn't corrupt as hell or actually want to make, actually wants to change things. Tall orders, I know, but this isn't going to fix the issue. And this will also slow down everything in terms of the customer interaction instead of going in and getting what you want and checking out you're adding steps to the process some might say or perhaps you can order at home and then go pick up 
again, that would actually probably just drive more home deliveries, thereby reducing the need for brick and mortar. But just having the store there, all these stores and businesses have finite resources. Why not open a different store or a store in a different location where you don't have these issues and your employees can be safe, your customers can be safe. It's just to invest all that money in all those resources and still ignoring the fact that there's gonna be crime there, there's gonna be issues with the store. I mean, making the cognitive decision to go set up a store there, that's the business model of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Cannot thank you enough for your time, taking the time to like, subscribe, and comment. All the feedback is greatly appreciated. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.